Well, it is so good to be with you today. And for those of you that are new with us, my name is Casey, and I'm so grateful that we get to spend this time together. Hey, Westside, let's give those online and those that are new with us in the room, let, let's let them know how glad we are to share this moment together. Will you do that with me? Yeah. We are so grateful to share this with you. So today we do begin a new series around a question that I think is relevant to every one of us. And the reason I think this is relevant to every one of us, because you're one of two people. You either are one, someone who is, or is someone who has lost your faith because of something in or about the Bible, or you know someone, secondly, you know someone who has lost their faith um, around something that was in or about uh, the Bible. Maybe, maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you've had doubt about the Bible. Maybe it's something that you've, you've questioned uh, if it's a book that you can trust. Uh, maybe the reason is, is because you watched a Sam Harris debate that someone gave you or told you about or you, someone handed you a book like The God Delusion and all of a sudden it, um, it wrecked your faith in some ways. And, and, and here's the reality is more people today are leaving the Christian faith than, in, than any other time that I know of in history. In this information age where we can see theologian Google and we can ask theologian Google anything and we can get access to everything, we see more people leaving the faith. And, and more people are leaving the faith than ever before. And the, it's the people who grew up singing songs like I grew up singing. You remember this song? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Am I the only one that knows? Who stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Thank you. I didn't want to yell it because my voice is struggling today. Uh, but, you know, we grew up singing these songs. And you remember the old acronym, the, the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> and maybe you learned that like the, and this is, and maybe somebody handed you a book as a, as a kid or it was in your house. And hey, this is God's holy word. Read it, believe in it, and, and live by it. And, and maybe you read it or maybe you never read it. And if you did read it, you'd start in Genesis. And by the time you got to Exodus, oh, man, this was a fun story. Then you get to Leviticus and you're like, I got to live by this? And then all of a sudden, questions begin. And, and nobody answered your questions. You, if you had questions about it, well, someone might give you an answer. Well, the Bible says it. That settles it. And then all of a sudden... You, you, you didn't know how to handle this, this, this text or this Bible. And, 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 and in this, that you may believed it was God's word because you grew up in a home um, that, that saw this as a sacred book and everybody just kind of spoke differently whenever the Bible was out. But whenever the Bible was closed, they lived differently. <laughs> and, you know, we, they treated this book with this high sacred respect. You know, a lot like the Muslim world treats the Quran in, in the essence that it's a sacred text. And it's, but we don't know why it's sacred. We don't understand the reason why, we, why we've elevated this book and we, we, we act the way that, that we do around it. And see, and these, these are the type of people that grow up and they go to college. They go to college, maybe you're one of them, and, and you grew up in a home like this, or you're, 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 maybe you uh, have a friend or a grandchild who went away to college, and you thought, man, we raised them so well. And they go to a college, and a professor, a professor says something, questions something, most likely they question them, um, not most likely, almost every time, it's something in the Old Testament they question. And all of a sudden, they come back with questions and doubts, and it's wrecked their faith because they list, or they listen to a podcast, and, and their faith falls apart because their faith is what I call a house of cards faith. Or maybe your faith is a house of cards faith. 
And, and in this, skeptics have been attacking the integrity and reliability of the Bible for years, since the Bible was canonized. And a house of cards faith, I want to let you know, a house of cards faith, a faith that is like a house of cards, will not withstand the skeptics, nor will it withstand the pain of life. Because as soon as something comes that doesn't, that the pain of life that comes, and, and, and maybe you have this view that because you follow Jesus, life should be so beautiful. And the reason you got that is because of something you read in the Bible. And you thought, hey, life should go my way. It should, everything should just work out for me. And then as soon as something doesn't work out your, your way, it's like one little card in your faith, your house of faith, it just is wrecked and the whole thing comes collapsing down. Or maybe someone asks a question or says something in science that you go, well, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. And then all of a sudden your faith was anchored in that and, 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 and all of a sudden became a house of cards faith and the whole thing came into shambles. Now, I don't want your faith to be a house of cards faith. Because a shallow faith or a house of cards faith cannot reconcile pain and the God of the Bible. And I don't want my kids' faith to be a house of cards faith. I've got an 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. I don't want your kids' faith to be a house of cards faith. Teenager, young adult, college student, I don't want your faith or to be a house of cards faith. Grandparents, I don't want your faith nor your children's faith to be a house of cards faith. I want it to be anchored in something that is so reliable. See, I want your, our faith to be anchored in something so deep and so foundational and so reliable that all, your faith can withstand whatever argument comes its way and your faith can withstand whatever pain comes your way. Now, in today's information age, there are so many people trying to tear down the reliability and the authority of the Bible. And I'm not surprised by this. I'm not surprised people are walking away from their faith and, and because their faith is not the same faith as the people who walked in the first century. That faith that maybe your house of cards faith, I want you to let you know, I want to let you know that's not the same faith of the first century. And I'm not surprised by the statistics that are also present in our local church. I mean, a couple years ago, three years ago, we did a survey of you and us. And, and, and only 55% of us, listen to this, only 55% of us said that we see the Bible as an authority to guide our beliefs and actions. Only 55% of us that call ourselves Christians. And in this, only 30% of us that, that say that, only 30% of us read and study it on a daily basis. And in this... That's par with the American national average. And th I think the reason people have walked away from our, their faith, a faith that, that was a house of cards faith, is because their faith was not in Jesus. Their faith was in a book, a very delicate book. And let me tell you this. It's a book that I love. It's a book that I trust. It's a book that I cherish. It's a book that I devote my day, and, and I begin every day with this book. But not because I sang a song as a kid. Not because somebody handed it to me and said, read it, believe in it, trust in it. Not because someone said, this is the basic instruction before leaving earth, and this is going to give you everything you need to know. Not because of that. It wasn't, that's not the reason I trust it. And I don't want you to trust it. For the wrong reason, I want you to trust it for the right reason. And the right reason is so much better than the reasons that many of us have been giving. Now, today, I'm going to do three things. 
I'm hopefully going to do three things. One, I know I'm going to do, and, and I don't want to do this, but I know this first one I'm going to do today is I'm going to disrupt some of your guys' uh, faith. I'm going to disrupt some of your thinking. Maybe that's the best way. I'm going to disrupt some of your thinking. Uh, for some of you that are skeptical about the Bible, I'm, I hope to disrupt your thinking. For some of us that maybe have had that, well, the Bible says it, that settles it, or the you know, basic instructions before living earth, like you grew up like I did, and, and I say this respectfully, I, I want to disrupt that a little bit today. Uh, second thing I want to do is I want to, I want to inspire you. I hope every one of you leave inspired today to see the Bible that you hold in the phone of your hand, which is amazing, or the Bible that you have on a shelf or the Bible you have in your hand today. I want to, I want to see, I'll help you see it so different. And then third, I want to equip you. I want to equip you today in this. And I want, as, the, as you're inspired, I hope the Holy Spirit is using today's teaching to inspire you the same way that I believe he inspired every word that was written. So I'm going to say something now. I'm just going to come out with a disruptive statement for some of you, and I want you to trust me, okay? See, while the Bible informs our faith, the Bible is not the foundation for our faith. While the Bible informs our faith, the Bible is not the foundation for our faith. Now, the Bible may have been the reason or the foundation for your faith, or it might be that the Bible may have been the, the foundation or the reason that you believe in Jesus. But I want you to know the Bible did not create the Christian faith. Just see, we, we think just like the Quran created the Muslim faith, the Bible did not create the Christian faith. Something bigger and something better than the Bible created the faith that we have today. Christianity was not created because of the Bible. It was Christians who put the Bible together. It was Christians who wrote these things. And the Christian faith existed way before you had any gospel of Jesus. The Christian faith existed. Way before we put titles on, on the sections and verses in there to help us navigate to these, the, and, and navigate to these and know where these, uh, these truths are. Before this book was, was bound and then passed around, the Christian faith existed. So a book, a book is not the foundation of your faith, the, of, the, of the Christian faith. And the book is not, it's, it's, it's so much better than a book. It's an event. See, the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our Christian faith. It's the, found, it's the resurrection of Jesus that is the foundation of Christ, our Christian faith. Now, some of you are going to think, wait, wait, Casey, don't we know this because of what we read in the Bible? Well, yeah, it informs that. I mean, these letters were there. But did you know before these letters were even letters, there was an event that started a faith. And it was out of the faith that they wrote these letters that you and I have been so miraculously able to read because of the preservation of the Holy Spirit in these letters. And I, that, and I just want you to think about it. Think about in that first century church. Think about that first century when the Bible wasn't around, when the Gospel of Mark hadn't been written because it didn't come. The Gospel of Mark wasn't written until maybe as early as 40 AD to maybe more likely 60 AD after Jesus' death. Before that era, that the first gospel that we recognize in this, what was, the, what was the foundation of their faith? 
It wasn't a collection of writings. It was not the Hebrew scripture. In fact, the Hebrew scripture, those that believed in the Hebrew scripture and and entrusted it, they ignored Jesus. It was an event. It was the resurrection of Jesus. What was the foundation of their faith? It uh, It was an event. The resurrection of Jesus was the event that anchored the first century disciples' faith in who Jesus claimed as a savior you can trust and a Lord to obey and follow. It was because of the resurrection of Jesus that four men would write down their story of Jesus, write down the account and the, the, the story of Jesus and the things that Jesus would teach, and they would distribute it. They, we don't have just one account. It's amazing that we have four unique accounts called the Gospels, the good news of Jesus. These Gospels would be tediously copied and then distributed around to the church that was dispersed. Later, various disciples, disciples who walked with Jesus, would write letters, and the Holy Spirit would inspire, just like he inspired the Gospel writers, he would inspire these New Testament writers, these first century disciples and those that were close to the one couple that were close to the apostles to write down these letters to the church to inform them how to live under the scrutiny of their faith and to live according to Jesus' way of life. Way before those letters and those gospels existed, there was a Christian faith. And was that faith because of the Bible? No. The faith was because of an event. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, you and I have the Bible. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that you and I have the Bible. See, without the resurrection of Jesus, all that would be in existence today would be the Hebrew scriptures. All in in that Hebrew scriptures would not be for us because we as Gentiles would not be included in that covenant without the resurrection of Jesus. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that the world has come to know the name of Jesus Christ. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus that you can trust what Jesus said. Because a disciple named Matthew, who walked with Jesus, saw Jesus live, heard his teachings, saw Jesus die. He saw Jesus after God raised him back to life. And he heard what Jesus said after God raised him back to life. And he would write this down. Jesus saying about himself, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. This was a huge claim. A claim that could only be validated one undeniable and reliable way through the resurrection the only way that jesus that that claim can be validated is through coming back to life see the resurrection of jesus proves that jesus is our authority Jesus is the authority. There is no authority above him. He is the one who has all authority. He claimed it, and then we trust it because he came back to life. And here's what I I say this respectfully. See, Jesus is the authority in our life. The Bible, a book, a book cannot have authority in your life. A person has authority in our life. Jesus is that of the authority. And why do we trust this? Because of the resurrection. What's that prove? It proved that Jesus is God and the authority to have that God raised him back to dead, to, to, from the dead. And he is equal with God. And how do we know all of this? Because of a book? No. Because of a resurrection. And it's because of that resurrection we do have this book that informs our faith. And we believe this. 
because of that. Now, it, we need to shift our language. And for those of us that are parents, I want you to shift your language. For those of you that are grandparents or for those of us that are really trying to reach people that have walked away from their faith, you know what? I want us to see that our faith isn't in a book, but it's in an event, and it's an event in an event because of what people said, not what a book says. It's a subtle shift in our language that people said this, that people who saw Jesus live, people who saw Jesus die, people who saw Jesus come back to life, they wrote about the accounts of Jesus. And later, many of them would die for what they saw, a resurrected Jesus. They would die for their faith. A faith that was not informed by writings. A faith that was informed by an event, the resurrection of Jesus. People like Matthew. People like Mark, who was a good friend of the apostle Peter, who would capture Peter's story and the teachings that Peter shared. Luke, who would be a first century theologian that was a close companion of not just Mark, Peter. He was also a close companion of the apostle Paul. He would capture this and he would, he, he would look at, investigate all these details to give an, an accurate account to Theophilus. Men like John who walked with Jesus, saw his teacher die and come back to life. He writes about it. And John tells us that he was his authority. John tells us that Jesus was his Lord. The, these men saw Jesus as the authority of all. So I want to help you understand this a whole lot better. And I want to help you understand. And, and, and to understand this, we, before we ask the question, can I trust the Bible? Or before we ask the, the question, what is the Bible? We've got to wrestle with a different tr question. See, the question we need, to wrestle, we need to wrestle with is who is Jesus before we ask what is the Bible? Because asking who is Jesus will lead us to understand what the Bible is and why the Bible is so important in knowing who Jesus is. Asking who Jesus is will lead us to understand that Jesus is the climax of our human narrative. Asking who Jesus is will give us a context to the fall of man and the, and the, the fall of creation and to understand the pain of all of our lives that we face every day. Asking who Jesus is will help you see and lead you to see that Jesus is God's plan for the redemption of all who trust in him as their savior and follow him as a Lord and and Jesus is the plan to restore all things back to God's perfect original design. And we wouldn't know any of this because of, and I know you're going to say, Casey, it's a Bible. No, 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 no. We wouldn't know any of this if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus. Because the foundation of our faith is not a text the foundation of our faith is an event, an undeniable, reliable event in history. It's the resurrection of Jesus that points to who Jesus is. And it's his resurrection that proves his authority. The church leaders in the first century would call Jesus the chief cornerstone. They would write about Jesus being this chief cornerstone. And in that era, a cornerstone was the main first stone that was put in the foundation of a building. And they wouldn't say the Hebrew scriptures are the chief cornerstone. They wouldn't say it was a text or a letter or a gospel that would be the chief cornerstone. They would say it's the person of Jesus that is the chief cornerstone of our faith. And in this, their claim was that Jesus was the foundation of their faith, not a scroll or not a text. The Bible is not the cornerstone of the Christian faith. It's Jesus and his resurrection that is the cornerstone, not a book. So much that James, 
the half-brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not grow up believing that Jesus was the Messiah. Absolutely not. Like it, it, the same reason you wouldn't believe that your brother or your sister would claim to be God. You'd think they're crazy. James thought his brother was crazy. And in this, it wasn't until he saw Jesus back alive from the dead that he put his faith in Jesus. See, his, he was a good Jewish boy. His faith wasn't in a text. His faith was in an event uh, that his brother, and it was under that event that he saw his brother as his savior and he followed his brother as his Lord. Jesus was the authority and the event was the resurrection. That was James' story. And James would write to this church that he would become the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the place where it all started. He would become the leader of that church. And he would write to this church how to live out their faith how to live out their faith in who Jesus was, a faith that was anchored in an event. And he would show them how that informs how they should live and that should informs how they should do this. See, Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith and he exercises his authority through the Bible, directing our beliefs and giving us wisdom for life. The first century church leaders saw Jesus as the foundation of their faith because of his resurrection. And they believed Jesus was Lord and that he was the authority over all life. And because he had authority, they viewed scripture as an authority in their life. Because Jesus was an authority, the authority in their life, they saw that scripture had an authority to direct their beliefs and scripture had an authority to, to give them the wisdom to how to live. And it was all because of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, they would not have a faith in Jesus as the authority and let the scripture be an authority in their life. The first century apostle named Paul, who was actually a persecutor of Jesus and all of those who followed Jesus, he became a believer in Jesus. And you know why? It wasn't because of the letters. It wasn't because of any gospel account. It was because he encountered a resurrected Jesus. And he encountered a resurrected Jesus. And Jesus changes Paul's life and sends Paul out to start churches. And he would, the Holy Spirit would inspire Paul to write letters to some of these churches who had unique situations and unique difficulties. And he would inspire them to write it. And they would be written and they would be copied and distributed within these churches. And one of the letters in Corinth and 1 Corinthians, we have this letter in our, in our Bible in the New Testament. And this is what he would say in the end of it at 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile. If you, Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. Because your faith and my faith, the Christian faith, is not in a, anything other than the resurrection of Jesus. It's anchored in an event. And all this to say this. See, why do I tell you all this? Why do I tell you? that, that your, my faith is not anchored in a book but an event? Why do I tell you that our, while the Bible informs our faith, it is not the foundation of our faith? It's this right here. See, Jesus' resurrection. This is a serious big idea. Jesus' resurrection gives us the confidence to trust the Scripture, to guide our beliefs and actions. This is what it is. Jesus' resurrection gives you and I the confidence to trust the Scriptures, 
to guide our beliefs in action. And over the next couple of weeks, I hope to guide you, to help you see that you can trust and you can navigate this complex collection of writings that we call the Bible. And now that we've come to understand that the Bible is not the foundation of our faith and Jesus is our authority and he exercises his authority through the scripture, let's ask the question now. So what is the Bible and why do we have it. So let's look at what the Bible is first. Look at this. You can write this in your notes if you want to. The Bible is an ancient, ambiguous, and diverse collection of divinely inspired scriptures that are active in leading us into a relationship with God and giving us wisdom for life. I know that's a mouthful, but as I was praying, I had to, had to put this all in one sentence. See, the Bible is ancient. You need to understand what it is that you have. It's a miracle that you have it. And just like it's, it's an ancient doc, document, that, 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 that collection of writings, thousands of years old. I mean, the most recent text we have is thousands of years old. Think about that. And how do you handle ancient artifacts? They handle it, ancient artifacts, with delicacy and delicate hands. We need to handle the scripture with delicate minds. We need to handle it with this because it's ancient. It's thousands of years old. It's also ambiguous. And before you write me off because I am thinking I'm a heretic because I just called the Bible ambiguous, please don't write me off. Let me, let's, just, let's, let's just put on our thinking cap for a second. They are ambiguous. And think about this. Has there ever been another book or collection of writings that has been more misinterpreted, more debated, and more argued about than this? I think not. And the reason that it's been argued about, the reason it's been debated, is because a lot of the ambiguity in this, because it was written over thousands of years ago to errors and cultures that aren't like ours. And in this, it's okay that we say it's ambiguous because this is a complex collection of writings. And, and, and in this, if it were more clear, then we would have only one translation would be needed. I mean, there's a reason we have so many translations. And, and, and we wouldn't have had the debates that we've had in the church. I mean, think about just some of the debates in the, in the modern uh, church era. Debates about music, style of music, and we all have a biblical reason for it. The b- debates about, um, about uh, baptism, the types of baptism, the infant baptism baptism, water baptism only, the debates. It's because of the ambiguity that, that is in the Bible. There's no, for some, there's no clear answer. And then we could talk about alcohol. We could talk about spiritual gifts. We're not going to get into that, just to name a few. And then you look at church history. I mean, there are eras in church history that they use the Bible to endorse slavery. And then they use the Bible to eradicate slavery. Think about just in those things. We need a, and the only reason I say this is not to tear down the reliability. It's to understand that this is an ancient, ambiguous text, and, but it's inspired by God. And the reason we trust that it's inspired by God is not because the Bible says so. It's because Jesus came back to life. And it's so much better than that. See, while there are things in the Bible that are ambiguous, there's no ambiguity in the resurrection of Jesus. And not only are they ambiguous, they're diverse. These, these are diverse writings. Over, over 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, and it was written in three different languages. The diversity in the cultures and the context is so amazing. It's a miracle that we have these today. And the Bible is an active, God inspired these writers. And, he, and God inspires you and I as we navigate the scripture carefully, knowing that it leads us to know Jesus and trust in him. See, the Bible gives us wisdom 
for the life that we need to live. And it's been organized, and the reason we trust it, the reason we trust the Old Testament that many people have tried to nail, try to be skeptical of and tear down the reliability of the Old Testament, you know the reason I trust it is because the resurrection of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus proves what Jesus said to be true. And this is what Jesus said about the Hebrew Scriptures. See, Jesus said the Hebrew Scriptures, which is the Old Testament, point to him. That's what he said. After Jesus came back to life, two disciples had heard about the empty tomb, and they were, they were so sad, and because they didn't believe it was because Jesus came back to life, they thought somebody had sold the body of Jesus, and, and, and it was all over. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up alongside of these guys walking on the road. And what happens in this moment is they, Jesus walks alongside of them. And this is what he says to them. He gets in the conversation and Luke records this. He goes, how foolish are you and how slow to believe that all, that all the prophets have spoken? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter in his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. At this moment, Jesus then would disappear from these two disciples. And later, they would be having communion. They would be together. These two disciples would be with all the other disciples. And Jesus would show up. And then Jesus would break the bread of communion. And as soon as he broke the bread of communion, the the Holy Spirit would open their hearts and their understanding. And they were like, that's it. He was with us. We were with him. That's who was on the road explaining all of this to us. He was referring, Jesus was referring in that moment to the Mosaic writings and the prophets. And he was referring to the Hebrew scriptures. He was validating and, 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 and the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament. See, the Hebrew scriptures are called the Tanakh. This is what the Hebrew scriptures are. It's the Tanakh. It's made up of three different collections. It's the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. And we, these contain 39 books that we've put into different books, 39 books written over a span of 1,000 years in two languages in Hebrew and Aramaic. Jesus endorsed the Torah, the first five books of the, 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 the covenant. These were the, the law and the instructions of the covenant that God gave to the people of Abraham, to this Israel people. He endorsed that. He said, they all point to me. I'm the fulfillment of this. It, it talks about he, the Ketnevium were the writings of the prophets, major and minor. And the Ketuvim was the, the poetic writings, the, the, the historical narratives that we have, and the Kings of Chronicles and such, and the wisdom books. He endorsed all of it. He, and he, see, the Tanakh contains these 39 books of what Jesus endorsed called the Hebrew Scriptures and now what we call the Old Testament. See, Jesus endorsed the Tanakh by claiming he was the Old Covenant's fulfillment. Jesus elevated and he endorsed the law and the prophets through his Sermon on the Mount when he would say, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but Jesus said this, and he came back to life. He said, I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them, to complete them. That homework assignment is over. And this is why you have, in your miracle of a book called the Bible, the Old Testament. It's Israel's story. It's the account of this nation of Israel and the, and, the, and the origin story of this Hebrew people, of God, the God of the Bible, the God of all things, revealing himself through this nation, through Abraham, a man named Abraham, and the nation that would come from him miraculously. And in this, blessing all nations through his seed, which would be Jesus.
Jesus. And we don't trust this because that book says this. We trust this because Jesus came back to life. And the Old Testament shows us this beautiful picture of how God is painting, putting his plan of redemption into motion. And he's entering our world. He entered our world as the suffering servant and became Emmanuel, God with us. And the disciples, after the resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus would command them to go, they would take the message and the story of Jesus and they would continue that redemption story that began and that was contained in the Hebrew Scriptures. They would tell the story of Jesus and his resurrection, and they would teach what Jesus taught because he was their authority. And we see this in Luke's historical account of the the, the church and the birth of the church in the book of Acts. See, when the early church met together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles under the authority of Jesus, taught about who Jesus was and taught what Jesus taught. They took the authority of, they took Jesus, his story and his authority seriously and he, they connected it to the Hebrew story because this is what Jesus taught. The apostles took the command of Jesus seriously. It's that command, a command he gave right after he claimed that he was the authority. And Luke, and not Luke, Matthew would share this. Matthew, right after he shares Jesus' claim, Jesus came to the disciples, said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. <laughs> we read that earlier. And then this is what he says, therefore go, because I have the authority, I'm sending you. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He would tell them, teach everything I've, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is what the disciples did. They did. They, they, and this is how you and I got the, old, the New Testament. This is how you and I got the writings of the New Testament because these disciples would share the good news message of Jesus. They would do this verbally and they would teach this, the Jesus teachings. That Acts 2, 42 said they would gather and listen to the apostles' teaching and they would listen to how they would teach this. And then churches would start and then, and then they would pass around the account of the Jesus story after Mark would so brilliantly inspired by the Holy Spirit put together this account that he got from Peter and he would put this together and they would copy this tediously and distribute this, these, these around. And then letters by the apostles. These apostles would start churches and they would write letters to these churches under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And as they would do this, they would widely share these letters within those churches. Some of them would go to other churches and be distributed. And there'd be multiple, multiple, multiple copies that all said the same thing. And as the first century apostles would teach the teachings and commands of Jesus, the Gentiles, which are like you and me, had no Jewish context. We had no, they had no, Jewish, no understanding of the Jewish context. And they, they, they were lucky to have just one of the Gospels, most likely Mark, available. And if they were even more privileged, they would have a letter from an apostle directly to their church that was talking to the, the, the addressing some of the things and the unique things in their church. See, these accounts were so widely accepted and so widely distributed 
that nobody in that first century questioned the authority of these letters. Nobody in the first century questioned the accuracy or the authenticity of those gospels. They were so trusted by the first century church that there was enough evidence they were, that these were reliable documents. Therefore, these writings that, that were, were so widely distributed in the first century were canonized in the fourth century, and they became your New Testament. See, the New Testament is comprised of four unique counts, four unique accounts of Jesus' story and teachings. One book of church history, 21 letters from first century apostolic leaders, and one book of prophecy. These New Testament writings were not questioned <laughs> because it was passed around so many times. They were reliable in their authorship. And it was undeniable why they were distributed because of the resurrection of Jesus. And as these first century apostles would teach the commands of Jesus, the Gentiles, Gentile believers really didn't understand the context of this. So they became interested in the Hebrew story and they connected the Old Testament to the New Testament. And in the fourth century, this is what they did. See, in the fourth century, the, the Hebrew scriptures were combined with the 27 New Testament writings into one book named Tabiblia. That's Latin for the Bible. And Bible is actually another way to say the book. One book, collection of writings, inspired by God, written by men over a period of 1,500 years in the diversity of three different languages to share the redemption story that leads you to know who Jesus is. See, the Hebrew scriptures would make up what we call the Old Covenant. And the apostles' writings and these gospel writings would make up what we now call the New Covenant or the New Testament. It's another way to say covenant. And yes, yes, there were some books that weren't included in that in that decision to say in, in that fourth century. And the reason they decided what, they, what would get into that canonized Bible. See, the, the, there are things like the Gnostic Gospels that weren't included because they weren't written in the era of the disciples. They were written much later than that. The, and, and they didn't include what we call the Apocrypha. And maybe you grew up in the Catholic faith and your Catholic version includes the Apocrypha. The reason they didn't include the Apocrypha is because the Hebrew people did not consider the Apocrypha, part of the Hebrew scriptures. And they had two decisions. They had two filters for what got canonized. They didn't decide on it. They just filtered it. They said, was the author an apostle or closely related to an apostle? Did they have a close connection to the apostle? And that's how you got the, first, the New Testament. And is the book, was the book accepted by the Hebrew people and was the book accepted by the church at large in the first century? This is how. You have what you have, the Bible. So that's what the Bible is. That's how you got it. And it's because of a resurrection. So I want you to know this. We must start with Jesus. I want you to know this. You've got to start with Jesus. Why do I tell you this? You need to start with Jesus and read all scripture through the lens of Jesus as the Savior of your sins and the Lord whom you obey and follow. If you don't look at the Bible through the lens of Jesus. And if you don't anchor your faith in the resurrection of Jesus, 
you're going to miss the meaning of the Bible or you're going to be misguided by the Bible. Let me say that again because this is so important. If you don't look at the Bible through the lens of Jesus and you don't, uh, uh, Jesus as a savior of all sins, who put, of all who trust in him and as a, as a Lord to obey and follow. And if you don't anchor your faith in his resurrection alone, if you don't anchor your faith in him, you're either, you're going to miss the meaning of what the Bible is all about, or you're going to be misguided by the Bible. We read and trust Scripture because we trust that Jesus is alive, and therefore, he is our Lord. This is why we read and trust the Scripture. Because we trust that Jesus is alive and he exercises his lordship. He exercises his authority through the writings of these New Testament authors. And we have this Old Testament to tell us the story, to tell us the narrative of why Jesus had to come. And this is why you have the Bible. And this is why you need to start your question, not can I trust the Bible, but we need to ask the question, who is Jesus? Now, if you still need more evidence to trust the scriptures, I don't want you to miss next week because we're going to talk about that. I also told you I was going to do three things. I hope I didn't disrupt many of you. I hope, though, that the Holy Spirit used this moment to inspire all of you. And I hope that this equips you. And there's two things I want to let you know. Or one thing I want you to let, know, let you know about that equips you, that we put together a resource. In fact, this will tell you a, a whole slew of resources. On your notes, it's on the screen right here. It says go, it's westsideleavenworth.com forward slash Bible. I want you to go to westsideleavenworth.com forward slash Bible because there's two things there I just want to point out amongst many other things. There's books, podcasts, and, and different things or uh, videos there. There are two main things I want to just point out. First is this, is a 10-week study course, a 10-week life study on the Bible that two men in our church are coming together to do. And I'm so grateful that they're putting the leadership in for you to help you know this scripture and, and navigate the story it tells and also learn how to live out the truth and wisdom it has. So this is what I want to invite you. I want to invite you to a, a lunch that you can that you can learn more about this class and, and get ready for this class. The lunch is on June 27th, right after our last service. You need to sign up for that. You can do so at that link at westsideleavenworth.com forward slash Bible. The second thing I want to let you know about, and that, by the way, that begins, that class will begin Wednesday, July 7th. But the lunch that you, that, that's like the starter, the kickstart for that is July 27th. The second thing I want to let you know about is under that resource page will be a link to thebibleproject.com's video series on what is the Bible. It is brilliant. This will be very helpful for you. The reason I tell you this, because I want your faith to be anchored in what the first century anchored their faith in. And their faith was in a resurrected Jesus. That is what I want my faith to be in, your faith to be in, and I want our kids' faith to be in. Because if someone questions something else, that's all right. The question is, who is Jesus? And did he come back to life? And then I can see all of Scripture through the light 
of his resurrection and how he exercises his authority to guide my beliefs and direct me on how to live by giving me the wisdom for the life that we all live. In your name, and I want to pray right now. I said in your name like I already prayed. <laughs> Let's pray right now. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you preserved this writings, and thank you for the Holy Spirit who has inspired all of these authors. Thank you that we can anchor our faith in an undeniable, reliable event, the resurrection of Jesus. And thank you that it's because of that event that we can now see the scripture through a totally different viewpoint. We can see it so differently. And it becomes life-giving and it becomes active in our life and lead us into a relationship with you and lead us into the wisdom that we need to have to live the life that we live. I pray that you take us today, inspire us to dig in, inspire us to pursue you, and inspire us to grow in our faith that comes through the message of Jesus. In your name, amen. Our prayer partners will be available. They'd love to pray with you in any way. We'll see you next week for week two of this series. God bless you.